Five years ago, I went on a one-day short-term orthodontic course. Uh, and at that course, they talked about IPR, but very briefly, it wasn't covered in much detail at all. In fact, I remember them talking about, uh, call it tooth slenderization. Don't call it IPR, call it tooth slenderization because it's more patient-friendly. So that was the main thing I remembered. Uh, and there we, there we are, you know, they said, go ahead and you can start doing orthodontic cases now. Uh, and IPR is totally safe, don't worry. Uh, and by the way, use these strips. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career with your host, Jazz Gulati. So that was my first experience about learning uh, about IPR. Uh, I then uh, did my first ortho case, which was my wife. Uh, quite commonly, I think, as, as dentists, we tend to treat a family member uh, or our spouses first when we're learning a technique like orthodontics. I also find, by the way, that splints, when people start doing anterior glutal splints and whatnot, they also find someone at the practice or their spouse. Uh, but it's a similar theme. Now, I actually remember being in Singapore uh, and my wife was in the chair and I was doing some IPR with strips and I was thinking, wow, this is really slow. What does the orthodontist in the practice use? Because we had an orthodontist that worked there. Uh, and my nurse said, oh yeah, he just used these discs. He makes it look really easy. I'm sure it'll be fine, Jazz. Uh, and so I started using this disc and boy, that was an interesting experience because I was using it and I was like, uh, I was asking the nurse, I was asking Elsie, Elsie, am I doing this right? Is, is this correct? She's like, no, 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 he does it more like this, like that, this kind of a stroke. And I was like, uh, how, how about now? Am I doing it right? And he said, yes, 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 you're doing it right now. So it was, it's quite a, a laughable experience when I think about it now. It's quite a dangerous way to learn IPR. But this is our reality. I find that so many dentists that start orthodontics, uh, IPR is like learned from YouTube, uh, winging, winging it, uh, or from mentors. So for me, it was winging it. But then also when I came back to the UK, uh, I did the, did the Invisalign course, which by the way, again, didn't teach me much about IPR. Uh, wouldn't it be great if these courses had a hands-on IPR component? I think that'd be really cool because it's not a, a, a simple thing and it's important to do right. Uh, and it's important to do safely, I think. So uh, I'm hoping that by the end of this podcast or the video, uh, which I'll tell you about in a moment, that you'll feel much more confident in IPR and you can avoid the, the random learning experience I had and you'll be able to provide better IPR than I first did for my patients. Now, back to my uh, old boss, Hapgill, who taught me so much uh, about um, orthodontics, Invisalign, and how to do IPR. Um, he is a, a huge fan of using burrs. Uh, and so he taught me how to use burrs. Uh, and I kid you not, like my palms were so sweaty the first day I had to use a burr for IPR. Uh, and it was the only time that someone actually taught me how to do it. So I felt more confident than just winging it, but I still felt uneasy about putting a burr between these teeth, you know, coming from a minimally invasive background and enamel is king and now having to remove this enamel with a burr, it seemed scary for me. And I know I'm not the only one. I know you guys um, can also feel as though that it's a scary thing to do. So lots of colleagues are stuck on strips because they're afraid to use burrs. And the interesting thing about using burrs for IPR is that um, some people and some orthodontists are really pro burrs. Like, listen, there's only one way to do it. You've got to be burrs. It's going to be quick. It's going to be good and it'll be fine. Whereas 
other orthodontists I know, like for example uh, Goss, uh, who was a, a previous guest of the show, uh, I know that he's he's quite anti burrs when used anteriorly. In fact, he he said that in the Facebook group recently. Uh, and I know other dentists who say never use it posteriorly. So here we are. Some people are saying burrs are great. Some people are saying don't use burrs anteriorly. Others are saying don't use burrs posteriorly. So where do we go with that? So don't worry, I've got you covered. I've got you covered with burrs both in this audio episode and in the video, which I'll tell you all about. Now, this episode that you're listening to right now, it came to fruition because you might have seen on my Instagram story, uh, I had found my old discs. So I bought some IPR discs in Singapore and I completely forgot about them. Uh, and in my sort of associate box, I just found them at the bottom of it. And I was like, yes, I found my discs. Uh, let me use them today. Uh, and I used them with great efficiency. And I thought, wow, this um, allowed me to have a 10 minute break at my appointment today. And I got to have a coffee and I thought, wow, this is such a, a great way to do IPR, it was much more efficient. So uh, when I went to the next Kef Tactics course, uh, which I teach on, I teach about uh, TMD screening before doing orthodontics, uh, TMD diagnosis, and how to stop your patients chewing up your retainers. So that was my, my lecture talk. And while I was there, I met Saj from TOC Dental. And I asked Saj, hey, Saj, do you sell these discs? I'm, I'm looking to buy some more discs because uh, I, I rediscovered, I remembered I had these discs and I, I forgot how awesome they were. And Saj said, yes, we, we sell these discs, but Jazz, if you're interested in doing uh, efficient IPR that's high quality, then I've got something better for you. So that really piqued my interest. And he was telling me about an oscillating handpiece called the Intensive Swingle. So it's called the Swingle. So he really wanted to show me this. So I said, you know what? In two weeks time, my brother-in-law is coming in. He's having some Invisalign. Uh, I have to do quite a, a fair bit of IPR in him. Why don't you bring just everything over? Because you're going to bring the swingle anyway. Why don't you bring the swingle, some burrs that you guys sell, uh, some strips and some discs, and let's do a little educational experiment, okay? Uh, let's keep the same practitioner, i.e. me, uh, the same patient, and let me just choose different contacts uh, and make some educational content from this, but also test out this swingle that you're uh, raving on about. And this happened. So on the 31st of January, my brother-in-law came in uh, and um, Debbie and Saj from TOC Dental were such great sports. They brought everything in that I need to use. Uh, and Saj, bless him, was carrying around the camera as I was doing the IPR. And we made some great footage how-to footage for how to use a burr, how to properly use the strips, uh, how I use a disc, how to be clever and measure the teeth before you do the IPR and measure them afterwards in certain scenarios. Uh, and, and this is all now on a separate YouTube video. So the main message I want to send you is that this audio episode is unique and I will go through my experiences of using various IPR forms. And my aim is that by the end of this episode, you will feel more confident about what's out there for IPR and also to improve your IPR come Monday morning. But if you really want to gain from all the filming that I've done, then uh, you should check out the YouTube video. So usually my podcast episode are, are, are copies, so i.e. the audio version is pretty much the same as the video version. This uh, episode is unique. The audio is completely unique. I'm recording it audio only just for you guys and the video is completely different. I share some similar themes, but in the video, I focus more on the how, how to do the IPR, uh, which contacts, why I'm doing what I'm doing, and also showing you how I found the experience of using the swingle, how I found the burrs, how I found the disc, and, and, and how to use those things appropriately. Whereas this audio episode is more about the why and how to be a bit more clever when it comes to IPR. So, um, you know, check out both, but I really think you'll get the full immersion, the full experience, especially if you're 
or nervous about how to do the IPR, that will come from the video. So do check out the YouTube video. The channel is Petrus Dell Podcast, uh, and uh, it will be easy to search and find the IPR video. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be called, which is the best IPR system? Which is the best IPR system? So check it out. Let me know what you think. Or you can visit Petrusive.co.uk forward slash IPR video. That's forward slash IPR video, and it will take you exactly to that video. But let's continue with this discussion on IPR. Now, before you listen any further, you need to understand that I am no ortho specialist. I'm just a GDP whose palms used to get very sweaty when I had to do IPR. I'm just sharing my experiences. Like if a specialist tells you something opposite of what I'm telling you, then listen to a specialist, okay? Because they are probably correct. But if you're happy to listen to someone who's got his hands dirty, who's experimented, who's experienced, who's failed, who's struggled, and has got a postgraduate diploma in orthodontics thrown in, then I do hope that this IPR resource will be very useful to you. My aim with this episode and the, the video is to make something that I wish I had access to when I was starting out in orthodontics and I was struggling through IPR. And I still struggle through IPR, hence why this episode was made, because I was looking for more efficient solutions. And finally, I think I found it. So listen to the end of this episode to figure out how I think I've nailed that scenario now. In the remainder of this episode, I'm going to be talking about the different forms of IPR and I'm going to be rating them, like giving them like an out of five stars, which is best for safety, efficiency and quality, which I think are three really important parameters when it comes to IPR. Uh, now, the protrusive dental pearl I have for you is very much linked to the quality of IPR. The pearl is that no matter how much IPR you think you're doing, do some more because you're probably underdoing the IPR. I know this is the case because I came across a study from 2021. So just last year, Tony Weir, based in Australia, uh, published this piece of evidence uh, in the Australasian Orthodontic Journal. Uh, and it is just so eye-opening. So what they did is they looked at uh, 10 orthodontic practices, not general practices, specifically orthodontists and orthodontic practices. And they looked at 10,000 cases uh, in the Australian Aligner Research Database uh, within Invisalign. And using this data, they calculated how much IPR these orthodontists were supposed to do versus how much IPR was actually carried out, which is very clever. Uh, and the results were absolutely shocking. To give you the TLDR of this, if the planned average IPR was 0.29 millimeters, i.e. for all the IPR that they had to do, where they had to do an IPR, the average they needed to do was 0.29 millimeters across these uh, 10,000 patients. However, they only achieved 0.13. Let me say that again. They only achieved 0.13 millimeters for every 0.29 they were supposed to do. So really, they only achieved 44% of the IPR. So that is crazy. That's a shortfall of 0.16 millimeters of IPR per contact, which was supposed to be 0.29. That's really, really crazy to think about it because these are A, orthodontic praxis, and B, less than half of the planned IPR was actually carried out by the time they finished the aligners. That is really saying something. Now, this study will be available on the Protrusive app coming soon. Uh, it will also be on the Protrusive Dental community, and I'll put it on the blog and the website as well. So you can check it out, this really fascinating study. And I don't think it's new information. I think we've always known this, that dentists, were a little bit shy to do IPR, and we don't do enough. But I hope you can appreciate to do the correct amount of IPR, 
will be important for efficiency and predictability of movements. You know, you need to create the space to get the movements. So this is a really, really important uh, study to consider. And if you think that, okay, you know what, I think I have 0.2 millimeters here, then you probably don't. Uh, and obviously that's where the use of the IPR gauge or the thickness gauge comes in, which I also demonstrate in the video. The other interesting thing about the study was that all practices were affected. So every one of the 10 practices was underperforming the IPR, but it varied greatly from practice to practice. In the study, orthodontist I, so they labeled this orthodontist, orthodontist I, uh, and he was the best orthodontist in terms of IPR. He only managed still 75% of the IPR. So he missed out 25% of the IPR. But the, the real shocking thing is that the, the you know, quote unquote, the worst orthodontist here, uh, obviously you know what I mean here, is that the person who uh, underperformed the IPR the most only managed 9.9% of the IPR. Like let's say you needed, you know, two millimeters of IPR across the arch, they would have only done 0.2 millimeters. That is absolutely crazy. As I was uh, reading this study, I was trying to figure out, okay, is it because maybe they were using strips? Uh, is it because they use a certain type of IPR that these orthodontists were not uh, achieving the targets or the required amount of IPR? And then I came across another study by Jonah et al. It's all reference, reference number 25 within this study. Uh, and this study found that actually uh, the stripping technique was not a significant predictor of the actual amount of enamel uh, reduction in vitro. So uh, we don't know yet whether those orthodontists who use strips only are more deficient than those orthodontists that use burrs. We, we don't know uh, if that's the case or not. But, you know, let's let's talk about strips as, as the first um, first main tool, because this is something that I think we all start off using uh, when we enter the world of orthodontics. Uh, and it is uh, something that's been around since about 1944. Uh, and you get different thicknesses and different coarseness, coarsenesses. Now, I personally have a bias towards single-sided and perforated diamond ones, okay? So single-sided, I like single-sided because when you're getting these slightly crowded areas, it just makes sense to use a single-sided because what you don't want to do is as you're preferentially removing tooth structure perpendicularly to the proximal surface, then you're also scraping the tooth next door uh, and then you're catching the sort of the labial part of a, of a different tooth at the same time as catching the palatal part of another tooth, and that just makes for ugly IPR. So I prefer single-sided uh, because if I have two perfectly aligned contacts that need, let's say, some IPR, at that point, double-sided makes sense because then you're happy to remove uh, from both of those teeth. So my bias is towards a single-sided. The typical way I've been using strips over the past few years is sequential IPR, i.e. if someone needs uh, 0.3 millimeters, let's say, across the lower incisors, uh, then I will do 0.1 or 0.12 millimeters, okay? And then maybe six weeks later, I might do another 0.1. And then another six weeks later, I'll just lightly go in with strips again until I feel as though, okay, I've done 0.3. So maybe that is uh, one reason why we are underdoing the IPR is because we're not being so accurate and maybe because we're doing it a uh, little bit by little bit, we don't actually get a gauge of exactly how much we've done. I find this useful because the main reason I do orthodontics for patients is because of crowding. Uh, and uh, with crowding, when you're planning on the ClinCheck and Rizline, we try and avoid doing round tripping. So round tripping is, um, for example, we've got some lower crowded incisors, and if you uh, align these incisors and you let them unravel and just uh, procline and expand outwards uh, without doing any IPR, then uh, and then once they're aligned, to then reduce the overjet again, you then start stripping and doing the IPR, and then you bring the teeth back in, that's round tripping because you're tipping the teeth out 
then you're bringing the teeth back in. So to avoid round tripping, so you say, okay, why do you want to avoid round tripping? Well, I was taught that you should avoid round tripping because um, you risk disturbing the gingiva, i.e. you might get recession, you know, by proclining and um, tipping the teeth forward, you might get some recession uh, and then that's not good. So you want to then ideally minimize how far forward the teeth are coming. So we want to avoid round tripping. So the, the way to avoid round tripping would be to um, do the IPR while the teeth are in a kind of crowded state. And this is where it becomes tricky. This is where I think you can only really use strips and discs and maybe if you know the the swingle system I'll, I'll tell you about it at the end uh, if you're clever about it you could do it but really this is where strips are champion because you can wrap the strip around and really make sure that the part of the tooth that you're actually uh, stripping away is the correct part of the tooth it's the proximal the mesial or the distal of the tooth too many people will uh, do uh, random stripping and as long as they have that space between the teeth, they think they're done. But no, IPR is always planned from where the future contact will be. So that's from the proximal, the, you know, the mesial and distal, not the facial mesial, not the lingual mesial, the actual you know, mid-mesial area and the mid-distal area. So it's really important to wrap around the strip uh, perpendicularly to the tooth that you're removing. The other thing you could also use in those scenarios is discs. And I'll talk about that very shortly when I talk about discs. Uh, now, the problem with IPR, I mean, they're, they're versatile because you can get different coarsenesses, you can get different thicknesses. Uh, two problems for IPR. One, a common one, uh, which I used to believe as well, is that, okay, I know that the, the red perforated diamond IPR strip is 0.1 millimeters in thickness, i.e. Um, if I get this in between the teeth, I know uh, this um, strip is occupied the width of 0.1 millimeter. So I used to think that, okay, if I can get this in, if I can just uh, do a bit of stripping, it's very easy to get 0.1. And then I thought, okay, if I now double this strip up, so you fold the red strip in half, and then technically you have 0.2 millimeters of metal there. So then when you put that in a contact and you start stripping, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of logical to think that, okay, now you have 0.2 millimeters of space. It's very far from the truth, actually. Uh, when you actually go ahead and measure with the IPR gauge, you'll notice that, okay, you probably don't have 0.2. You probably have like, you know, 0.15 or something. So uh, just because you can get that thickness of IPR strip in, it doesn't mean you have that um, uh, amount of space because you have to account for the PDL movement. You know, when you're putting something between the teeth, there's PDL, so they move out of the way, and that makes you think that you have more space than you actually do. And of course, the other downside of strips is the time it takes. Like, fine, if you want to do 0.1, even maybe 0.2, you know, going through a sequence and polishing, it's okay. But anything more than 0.2 and stripping will give you RSI. It will give you some serious repetitive strain injury. Your patients will not be thanking you. It's not that comfortable. It's a horrible noise. And it's just too much time, especially if you're doing multiple contacts. Stripping appointments in the past, when I've done uh, stripping only in I've done multiple contacts and I've done attachments at that appointment, you know, that could be a 90 minute appointment, right? That's far too long, I think. Now I reflect back and I think, wow, I was spending too much time doing attachments in IPR. It is just not efficient enough. And I'm hoping to, to cover some other ways of doing it, which is going to make our IPR more efficient. Now, so if I was to give you a, a, a sort of score, I would say uh, for safety, IPR strips are a five out of five, okay? Uh, you know, when you're, no matter how crowded you are, um, if you use a nice thin strip and you go very uh, delicately uh, and you've got full control with two hands and you've got the patient's got the optimal 
iatrogate on, which is move the lips out of the way. I think to do iatrogenic damage uh, is, is very uh, difficult to do, i.e. it's a low risk for damage. It's, um, you know, yes, you can make the gums bleed and stuff, but that's okay. I had, a, I had a mentor who taught me that blood is lubricant, okay? So when you're doing IPR, I use blood as my lubricant. So I wouldn't worry about gingival bleeding. Uh, patients don't really complain that much that it's painful. It's just annoying. But overall, I think it's safe because you can't ledge. So safety, five out of five. Efficiency is where the downfall is of strip. So efficiency is, I'd give it like two out of five, okay? The real reason I'm giving it two and not a one is because you can get some quite meaty, thick IPR strips, double-sided. So if you have got that well-aligned contact, then you can get some really, you know, fat strips and, 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 and that can help you in getting some degree of efficiency. But again, you have to work your way up to that. And finally, the quality, I would say, is four out of five. Uh, to actually achieve the, the nice quality, you have to have the whole sequence of strips and then go back and polish and stuff. So you can get a really good quality of IPR. It just takes too much time. But I think every person doing orthodontics should have some strips in their possession. It's probably going to be used for every time you're doing an I I IPR. Uh, so if I only had one thing in my stock, it would be strips. Thankfully, you know, just like we don't have one burr for every prep, we don't have one burr for every scenario, we have uh, different types of burrs. I think with IPR, we should be having different uh, equipment, especially if you're doing a, a fair bit of orthodontics to make IPR more efficient, okay? So uh, the next thing I'm gonna discuss uh, is burrs, okay? So remember, we talk about burrs. People say, don't ever use it posteriorly. Don't ever use it anteriorly. Well, when are you supposed to use it, okay? I've broken both those rules before and I use a high magnification. I use 7.5 magnification with lighting. Uh, and yes, I have caused a ledge before. Thankfully, a minor one, okay? Thank goodness. Uh, but you have to be super careful. The burr, the mosquito burr is just so rigid, right? So you have to be really, really careful uh, and be along the sort of correct long axis uh, and have a patient who's perfectly still and maybe don't have too much coffee that day. Um, like my principal was a huge, is a huge fan. You know, you know Hap is a huge fan of using burrs. Uh, I am okay with it. I was very nervous about the beginning, but now that I've done it for some years, I I I'm happy, but I do worry about, you know, the tiny little veering off left or right and it can go horribly wrong. And I've seen some, you know, we've all seen those radiographs of legend Edges, right? How scary are those images of ledges, right? So we have to be really careful. And in the video, I, sh I show you how I use the burr. Uh, it's basically, if I was to describe it in this podcast, uh, you kind of do a brushing stroke labially. You do a brushing stroke palately, keeping in the long axis of the contact, okay? And then that leaves a very thin amount of enamel uh, in the middle of the contact, which is really easy to strip away. So you can literally get the green core strip at that point, and you just strip it away, and it all just flies off. Uh, and so it is extremely efficient. So let's talk about this, okay? Uh, Efficiency-wise, it's a five. Okay, there's no doubt about it. If you if you know what you're doing uh, and you're happy to use burrs and you've got a well-aligned contact, uh, then it's a five out of five. But that's the thing. You kind of need a well-aligned contact. Like you, you can't have one tooth that's a little bit buckle and one tooth that's a little bit lingual and you can't really do IPR. And, and well, well, you can. You, can, you can't really use a burr really well there. The, the way you'd have to do it is you'd have to measure the tooth beforehand, then use the burr to remove some enamel and then measure the tooth again, but it just disorientates you. So it's much better to use a burr if you've got a, a well-aligned contact already, and then you can race through it and try and remove even amounts of tooth structure if that's your aim uh, amongst the, the two teeth um, in the contact. So burrs, five out of five efficiency. Safety, I'm gonna give it a two and a half because you can ledge, 
you can veer off to one side uh, and you'll notice in the video actually when I show this that the, the problem is that because the burr is wider in one portion uh, and thinner at the tip, you do get like um, the correct amount of IPR uh, more coronally and maybe you're a little bit um, deficient um, gingerly and then I had to go back and use the strips to get a nice sort of uh, consistent equal amounts of IPR all the way through the contact. So I would say uh, safety is uh, 2.5 because aside from the, the risk of ledging, there's also the risk of uh, trauma to the tongue, the cheek, the, the lip, whatever can come in the way, uh, and obviously the gingiva as well. Uh, so that's why it gets 2.5 for safety. Uh, and for quality, I'm going to give it three because although uh, you can get quite a lot of space really quickly. So that's a good thing for quality. We want the correct amount of space. The bad point is that it's very difficult to use burrs to finish and polish. So then what are you going to do? You're going to go back and use your strips anyway. So you're relying on strips for the, for the actual polishing and contouring and finishing. So it's not great. The quality of the IPR uh, can suffer a bit. It can make teeth look like tombstones, right? Because they're really flat. So you have to do a lot of work afterwards with uh, discs and maybe soft flex discs and, and strips to to get a nice curved polished tooth surface as it should be. So quality will be around about a three out of five. And, and as I mentioned before, sometimes you get uh, more IPR higher up the tooth and less IPR uh, gingivally. So that is an issue as well. The next one to discuss is discs. Now, um, I rediscovered discs recently and I was like, yes, I'm so happy. Uh, and I find that once I've done the initial space opening with a strip, because obviously you have to create the space to allow your disc to fit in. So imagine you've got a well-aligned contact between the lower centrals, for example. Uh, I will create a little bit of space, like, you know, 0.1 millimeters with the strips. And then I'll put a wooden wedge, gingerly, uh, to help get a bit more separation. And then I'll use my uh, IPR disc, which is like a, a perforated diamond disc. And I'll do like a, a brushing stroke upwards, up and down, trying to keep the long axis of the tooth, but also to de-triangulize the tooth. So imagine you've got lower incisors that are fan-shaped. I want those fan-shaped incisors to me to be a bit more parallel-shaped incisors because I want less black triangles. So that's usually part of the strategy of IPR. You're trying to change the shape, not only create the space, but also change the shape of the teeth. So the disc can be good. And, and where I found discs really useful is that scenario I mentioned earlier where you got a bit of crowding. So one tooth is very labial and one tooth is very lingual. So you can't really access the contact. There's, you know, there's no contact to stick your strip in. But what you can do is you've got beautiful access to the mesial or the distal surface of a tooth or both teeth. And so what I would do is I would measure using like a, a measuring gauge, a digital caliper. Uh, let's say the tooth is 6.5 millimeters in width. And then I will use the disc to remove some tooth structure measly, let's say, and then I will re-measure the tooth and maybe now it's going to be a 6.3. So I know I've done 0.2 millimeters of IPR there without getting even involved in the contact because I know that's where my future contact will be. Does that, does that make sense? You're not just randomly creating space, you're creating the space from where the future contact will be. You have to be really careful with discs because you can go off on a slant and that makes a really uh, ugly IPR. The, the lower incisor will look as though it's deficient and you have to maybe you know put some composite there or something to make it look like the correct shape. So uh, it, be careful. Uh, and the other danger is making the teeth, again, like a burr, looking like a tombstone, right? Because these discs are very rigid. You can't really use them with great ease for polishing and finishing. You're still relying on your strips to get that polishing, although you can get uh, fine 
finer discs uh, just because the rigidity of it doesn't lend itself well to, to polishing and finishing. And of course, the elephant in the room here is safety concerns. Like if you go into a, a room of orthodontists and you talk about discs, you get some real horror stories. Like you talk about people's uh, lips being lacerated, tongues destroyed. Uh, like this usually gives orthodontists a lot of palpitations. Uh, and there are some systems out there like which has got a disc and a guard attached to it for protection, uh, which makes sense. But I don't know how much that limits your visibility. Uh, and I had an opportunity to try this, but the, the, the guard wasn't the right shape as, as a disc, so we couldn't actually use it on the day. But overall, the main thing to remember is there are huge, huge safety concerns, uh, mostly because this thing is spinning really fast and it's really sharp and it can do some real damage real quick. So be very careful if you use discs. In fact, it's probably a reason not to use discs because of the danger aspect and the whole slanting issue uh, and doing ugly IPR and the fact that you need something else to polish uh, anyway. So uh, discs, I would give a safety rating of two out of five. I would give it two out of five. Uh, be very careful. Efficiency, I'd give four out of five. You can be very quick. And quality, again, three out of five, just like the birds, because you get this tombstone type appearance, uh, which is very straight. So you need to go back and do lots of finishing and contouring. And finally, we're now going to talk about the oscillating handpiece. Okay, so this handpiece that they showed me is called the swingle. Uh, and I was able to demonstrate it. And you, you have to watch the video. It's really clever because uh, the file that you put in, uh, it's got a metal base, which you can bend. You can bend this metal. And I absolutely fell in love with this uh, feature because now around canines, for example, you can actually bend the IPR file uh, and it was just a genius way to create space and that's where I think these single-sided files in an oscillating handpiece uh, are, are really really fantastic. So what is an oscillating handpiece? So basically it's, it's this handpiece that oscillates, it creates these vibrations. So you put a file inside, you put it in the contact uh, and you don't have to move your hand, the handpiece does all the work. Now uh, how much work does it do? Well interesting stat, um, five seconds of this file uh, in this oscillating handpiece called the swingle, so five seconds seconds of the swingle between the tooth, um, the file has traveled three meters in five seconds. So in a minute, it's traveled 36 meters. So in a minute of IPR, that file has actually moved 36 millimeters. So that's good because when even when you're using strips or even when you're brushing your teeth, it's the, it's the changes of direction that give you the result, i.e. when you're brushing, you're, you're, you're changing directions constantly and that produces plaque removal. Uh, and when it comes to IPR strips, if you're just going very very slowly back and forth, then that's not going to be as efficient as when you're going really quickly back and forth, back and forth, because it's a change in direction that does the damage, if you like. So that's what we want to do. We uh, And the, the good thing about the handpiece, the swingle, is it does all that for you. So it's an oscillating function that creates the efficiency. Now, after using the swingle, I have to say I am converted. I, I found it really quick. So in the, in the, in the demo video, which you'll see, uh, I compared burrs versus discs versus strips uh, and the swingle. Uh, and the swingle, as an example of an oscillating handpiece, piece was, was you know, hands down the best way of doing IPR because it was efficient. It was really quick, but it was really safe and was safe because I had full control and it's safe because I was able to bend the, the metal part to actually get the right contour and then bend it back the other way. That was genius for me. In fact, one of my buddies, uh, the, the host of an ortho in summary podcast, Farooq Ahmed, who is like one of my ortho mentors, uh, he is a huge fan of this as well and he loves the space opener. So remember, to just like a, a disc, right? If you want to get a disc between the teeth, you need to create the space for the disc. So the way you create the space for a file is that um, you put a space opener file uh, inside the swingle uh, and that's 
got like a serrated saw and then you bzzz, whiz that through and it creates a space to now allow you to put the next file in and the next file will go bzzz and go all the way down and the next file will go bzzz all the way down really quickly uh, and then now suddenly you've got like you know 0 0.2 0 0.3 millimeters of um, of IPR in, in quick time but then the real clever thing about this uh, system is the the finishing and polishing um, files they really this company intensive they're basically the they may not be the market leader in diamonds and, and, and IPR and whatnot but they focus on quality diamonds so all the birds everything they make it's all about quality uh, and they've taken that to the swingle because it allows you to really work through the finishing and polishing so they're very uh, passionate about creating well polished uh, but efficient IPR so they've got these finishing and polishing files Files, uh, which you take away all the hard work so you don't have to be there with strips for too long you, you know now that you have this handpiece you've got the swingle you stick in the finishing and polishing file you bend the file and you put it in and a few swipes and, and it does all the work because remember it's moving three meters in five seconds it's doing all that movement for you and that's what makes it really efficient so uh, for me the experience of using an oscillating handpiece like the swingle was brilliant uh, so I'm going to get one the practice has agreed to, to get one uh, and I'm going to give it a four out of five for safety. Now, the only reason I didn't give it five out of five uh, for safety was because uh, at one point I had to really get it under the gingerbread just to contour it. Uh, and, um, you know, my brother-in-law was like, yeah, that was a little bit uncomfortable. You could hear his thoughts and stuff, but but that's what he said. But that was only because I was going sub-gingival. But I feel as though uh, with the serrated uh, saw, the space opener, if you if you are not careful, if you as the operator is not careful, because it's a little bit of a learning curve, then, then you can potentially ledge into a tooth. So you have to be a little bit careful here. Uh, and just like all the other forms of IPR, other than strips, you have to have fairly well aligned contacts to do the IPR. So um, I'm going to talk about that in just in a moment, but safety four out of five, efficiency four out of five. The only reason I didn't give it five out of five was because you still have to use a few different files, right? So you go for the space opener, then you go for like the 40 micron, then you go for the 80 micron. Uh, and actually when, when, when Debbie from TOC was showing me these files, I was thinking 80 microns? Like, is that, how thick is that? I don't, I don't understand. So obviously I was being stupid because 80 microns tells you about the coarseness of the file. The thickness of the file varies. So for example, the, the 60 micron file from the swingle um, double-sided is 0.28 millimeters. So it's 60 microns, which is the sort of coarseness of it, but the, the thickness of it is 0.28. So this is great for if you're doing, let's say, you know, 0 0.3, 0 0.4, even 0 0.5 millimeters of IPR, you can put this disc in, or even the 80 micron disc in, which is 0.31 millimeters, okay? So 0.31 millimeters, uh, and if you want to do really efficient IPR uh, of 0 0.4, 0 0.5 millimeters, uh, they're sort of uh, tagline their sort of marketing is that you do half an hour's worth of IPR in one minute. Half an hour's worth of IPR in one minute. Uh, and I think I definitely experienced that. Now, I know the finishing and polishing takes a few extra steps because you have to add in the, you know, the finishing file and the polishing file, but it's so worth it because the quality of the IPR was absolutely brilliant. I had a look at the end and I thought, wow, this is uh, the right amount of space, which is really important, but it's anatomically correct as well because of the, the way that you can bend the file. So for quality of IPR, it gets five out of five. So safety, efficiency, four out of five, quality, five out of five. Um, if I was to recommend one thing, now obviously I, you need to have strips, I think, because when you've got crowded situations, there's nothing you can do other than using strips. 
Maybe if you want to use uh, the disc in the way that I described earlier, that's fine, but just be very careful using discs. But essentially, the, the things you need to have is strips. And then if I had to have one more method of IPR in the practice, especially if you're doing a lot of it, but you want to save time. So that 90-minute appointment would become hopefully a 45-minute appointment. And you would get, you know, if, if feasible, you could do all the IPR in one go if feasible. Now we'll talk about that a little bit as well. So I would say the swingle would be the best bet. So strips and the swingle uh, for me is going to be the recipe of success with IPR going forward. Now I know loads of other dentists who have already been enlightened about this. They've already raving on about how good the swingle is. So I'm a little bit late to the party, but I'm, I'm excited to, to keep the party going now and using the swingle because I just think it's going to really save me a lot of time to my IPR appointments. So I hope you enjoyed that little overview of the different uh, things that I used for that video. And I I urge you to you know, watch that video, but just a little bit on IPR planning, because we need to be a little bit clever in the way that we plan the IPR. And also just a footnote here, really important. One of the most common questions I get from, from dentists who are starting orthodontics is they'll send me a ClinCheck plan and they say, Jazz, how do I do 0.5 millimeters of IPR in this one area, like you know, lower left uh, bicuspid and canine or something? Uh, and they're like, how do I do it? And I'm like, well, you do know you don't need to do all the IPR in one go. They're like, oh, really? So when on the ClinCheck, you know, appointment three, it flashes 0.5. Oh, oh, I need to do the IPR. It doesn't mean you need to do the entire 0.5 at that visit. What it means that you should create some space because if you don't create some space there, there'll be a collision. The teeth will collide. They will get in the way of each other. And then your movements will become less predictable. So it's totally cool to do 0.2 millimeters of IPR. And then some weeks later, do another 0.1 or 0.2 and do it sequentially. But if you've got the contact well aligned, then it just makes sense to do some strips or use the space opener of the swingle and then go up to 40 microns, 80 microns and polish and you're done, okay? So it's very appealing to me as a, as a busy dentist who wants to reduce the time of IPR but not sacrifice the quality to use an oscillating handpiece like that. Uh, and and I, I would be inclined to do all the IPR when I can. Now, you can be clever when you're planning your IPR uh, with your aligner company of choice or Invisalign, whoever. Uh, you can tell the technician on the, other, on the other side, say that I only want to do IPR when the contacts are aligned right? So you'll have to accept some degree of round tripping here. But if you can get away uh, with the biotype of the patient with a little bit of round tripping, uh, then you can make your um, sort of workflow and sequencing much easier and just do all the IPR once all the contacts are, are well aligned, which would be really efficient. Uh, the other thing to consider is if you've got lots of areas of, you know, 0 0.2, 0 0.2, 0 0.2, 0 0.2 everywhere, consider converting those, you know, four 0 0.2 IPRs into two 0.3s and a 0.2, if feasible, okay? Obviously, you've got to look at the, the shapes of the teeth because that's one contact now you don't have to do any IPR on. So if you look at the upper arch, lower arch, can you, can you buddy up the IPR if the tooth anatomy allows it, so you don't have to, so you have to do less contacts because every time you have to do a new contact, you have to go through a sequence. So that's how another way we can make our IPR more efficient when it comes to planning. So I hope you found that little overview, that discussion about IPR. For some of you, that will be teaching you to suck eggs because you're already quite proficient at doing IPR and maybe you're doing uh, orthotics for years. But I think the person who may have uh, really benefited from this is the the young dentist who is new to the world of orthotics uh, and 
it starts to get uh, sweaty palms, just like I did when it comes to IPR, in which case you should definitely check out the video because it's got the full um, sequence, full how to use each piece of equipment and the swingle in action. So I just want to thank uh, TOC Dental for coming down, bringing their burrs, strips to swingle the discs uh, and allowing me to, to film that uh, and to support the podcast uh, in the way that they have done through allowing me to, to make this episode for you guys. So uh, I'll be putting a link to TOC Dental. Please show them uh, your warmth and support for this episode uh, if you've gained from it. And again, thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. It was quite intense, that one. Uh, my head's hurting a little bit. Uh, and I'll catch you in the next one, guys. Thank you so much.